Goat Whore have returned with their new album, Angels, Hung from the Arches of Heaven, available everywhere October 7th. The title of the record is both deep and direct. Vocalist Ben Falquist, knowing exactly where he is coming from, it is a basis of human despondency, the arc of life, and its relationship with a personal abyss of overwhelming emotion and thought. A mixture of esoteric ideas and biblical scriptures and the journey to the places some care not to venture on mental paths. The rise and fall of the self and how the abyss can be a turning point for some and a passageway to oblivion for others. It is blunt and to the point, just like the countless aspects of life. Guys, listen, watch new videos in order right now at metalblade.com slash goat whore. Angels hung from the arches of heaven. Goat whore's latest record is coming out October 7th. Also, Sweden's Defleshed are back with their first new album in 17 years. Grind Over Matter. Slams onto digital and physical shelves on October 28th, and these Swedes haven't lost a step. Their blend of thrash, death, and grindcore is as vital as as ever 11 tracks 34 minutes all killer no filler the band originally reformed to record a couple new songs for a box set but enjoy the process so much they expanded the effort into a full-length album haven't heard defleshed they're for fans of at the gates revocation exhumed and you can listen watch and order right now metalblade.com slash defleshed once again sweet is defleshed first new album in 17 years grind over matter coming out october 28th go to metalblade.com slash defleshed this is the metal sucks podcast with your hosts petter spike jocelyn sharp and sylvia alvarado Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, all our wonderful friends out there? It is I, your host, Petter Spych. I am always joined by... Jocelyn Sharp. You can find me all over the internet at wizardofjaws.com. That's like Wizard of Oz with a J, because I usually have a J in between my fingers. Okay. Professional comedian. <laughs> well played. Well played. <laughs> and also, guys, make sure to follow our other co-hosts. That is Sylvia Alvarado at It's the Sylvia on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course... Brandon Hahn at your buddy Gooch on Twitter and Instagram. If you guys want to follow me, I am at our other podcast handle. That podcast is, of course, Rise to Offend. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend, and on Instagram, Rise to Offend Official. This week, guys, on the show, legend Chris Reifert. An autopsy is on the episode. We are here to celebrate the latest record, Morbidity Triumphant. It is out now. It just came out this past Friday, guys. If you have not picked this up, oh man, there's only Autopsy is one of those like original bands. Nobody can sound like them. It's got such a unique style, sound. I fucking love it. This record just continues on that, guys. Morbidity Triumphant is out right now. But before we get into our interview with me and Mr. Chris here, me and Jaws, we're going to talk a little bit about the Metal Sucks news. First story we want to talk about, and this might this is going to segue us into a kind of a conversation. We're going to think out loud with you guys, if that's okay. We're going to think a little bit out loud. Um, and probably- you know what? That will be the first time we ever have a conversation on this podcast, so I'm so glad you weren't in <laughs> And we're not going to, these thoughts are going to, we're going to bounce off each other. We're not going to have pre-planned things. It's going to be crazy, but it's based on the story from the headline I will read. 
uh, Slipknot's Jim Root. Didn't have a ton of creative input and feels unsure about their latest record, The End, so far. If you guys don't know Slipknot's latest record, uh, just dropped this last weekend. Um, and uh, I listened to it, and we'll talk about this a little bit, but in essence, when I feel like the statement, I, I think people are going to take it like, oh, he's saying the record isn't good, he doesn't know. I, I, I don't know if that's how I'm taking it. I think I'm taking it as that we just went through a really weird time and creativity is different because of a lot of reasons. I think we're unsure about a lot of stuff. I think a lot of artists putting things out are unsure about a lot of stuff. Um, Jaws. And, and so just to use a Slipknot record as an example, like I, I listened to it and there's been a lot of benchmark metal bands that are like guaranteed best of the year albums for me. Um, almost every time that I'm a huge fan of. And those records kind of, you know, they bounced off me without a huge connection. Yeah. We're going to have a hard time making a best of uh, uh, list this year. That looks familiar. That's going to look very Yeah. I'm not going to have a hard time making it. We're not going to have a hard time making a best of list because I have so many, but yes. Yeah. Familiar, but it's just going to look different. <laughs> the familiar names, right? Um, yeah. and, and so many, not just huge bands, put out records this year like you know I'm, I'm like the slipknots the ghosts the megadeths all that stuff and so many of those benchmark lifers did as well creator soil work behemoth you know um machine head like there's so many of them you know that 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 put out like okay we're ready to go we miss these guys and all that stuff and me as a fan uh and and jaws i'm gonna obviously go to you too just like the slipknot record the connection it seems, um, it seems to be a little bit off, and I'm wondering well, why. Because I'm I excited that, about the music, I am excited about it. But like, and part of me is not, I'm not blaming I, the bands. It might be me, you know. But what do you got? I mean, here's here's truthfully, I have a unique perspective on this. I think because I am a live performer, I'm someone who creates things and then regurgitates them in front of live audiences. You know, comedy and metal are very different, but they're also very similar. So. I was kind of telling you this about my theory with Zoom shows when I was talking about COVID and that like over the pandemic, lots of comments were like, no, fuck that. I don't want to do it. But I didn't want to get disconnected from the energy of the outside world because I feel like that's where a lot of us creative people draw inspiration is from interacting with other people. You know, we get angry at people who, um, you know, fundamentally deplore us morally and that that inspires our art or we get we have an interaction with someone and that that inspires something. But I feel like when you're insular, you can only create something that is relatable to you because it's all based off of the energy you've been around, which is your own only yours and that's the only thing you're drawing off of to create this art it's not that you can't create relatable art you know secularly by yourself i don't think secular is the word i'm looking for but you know what i mean like i i don't think you can not be alone you can be alone and create really great art but i think it's rare because i think especially when it comes to metal especially when it comes to artists like comedians and musicians who we literally feed off the energy of our audiences i mean we feed off of it it lifts us up it fills our cup it allows us to create more art for them and it, it it's something it's very special i don't think you can create fully unless you're plugged into that frequency of living is that too woo woo i don't know <laughs> No, no, I, I, I agree with you because I think where I'm at is that I feel like I'm every, I feel like everybody, this is the thing, I feel like everybody has to play it safe, um, but I feel like everybody is playing it safe uh, and, and putting out 
the expectation um, and nothing more. Here's the expectation. This should be good enough. And, and, and that is, that's what I mean. Like the connection isn't like, nothing's bad. That's the thing. None of these, none of the, none of the bands I said, none of the records are, are bad. Like they're all, but they all feel like filler albums. It's just like filler albums. That's it, what it feels like. It, it feels it's a whole year of saying it. I don't. No, 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 no. Saying anger was bad. Um, <laughs> saying anger wasn't a good. Um, no, I, and I'm not going to say that. And that's well. That's where I stop myself and be like, dude, it's not. Maybe yeah. it's not the bands. Maybe it's me. Maybe that's I'm true. the one that needs something out of left field from a trusted person, and I'm I'm getting something safe, right? Here's what I will say on that: as the resident um, lover of every genre of music, you mm-hmm. know. We're always blown away because if the radio's playing, I know every song, no matter what the genre, because I literally love music. It's built into me. I love singing it, I love playing it. I love being around it. So I listen to almost every genre. I'm, I'm pretty out of the loop when it comes to folk and country um, and, and EDM as well. So it's pretty much the, the classic American genres that I stick to besides country, which is, you know, rock and roll, metal, rap and hip hop and alternative. And here's what I can say is that I feel like the underground world in a lot of these, so alternative rap, hip hop, the underground world world right now is blowing me away. The underground world is like giving me the same vibes as like early 2000s hardcore underground where it was just like revolutionary, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's really beautiful. But again, when it goes to the big names, even in those genres, it's filler albums. It's just like, what is this? I, I, I don't know what to do. And I was kind of giving you the example of, I feel like, Paramore is so good at this. This is, you know, they reunited and they, they could have just done a Paramore album, but they didn't. They, they decided to go a different way, create music that felt good to them. You know, it was, there were songs on their last album that were on After Hours that were so serious and so um, heart-wrenching. And then, you know, they made this new album and it's this upbeat funk alternative vibe so I feel like there's this expectation for from us that maybe it's unrealistic, but the bands we really love that are like uh, core memories for us, we do have an expectation that they're going to grow and evolve with us. And sometimes these filler albums feel like somebody's trying to give us what we want instead of give us something to challenge us. And does that I, make sense? Yeah, it does. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna counter you on that. And again, I, I don't, I'm not going to use the word filler albums because it could be me. Um, you might feel it, so I'm gonna let you use that word. But the <laughs> no, I'm just using it as a nomer. I shouldn't be saying that they're not filler albums. They're they're pieces of art. And that I'm just saying. Yeah, and and I mean, like I said, by all accounts, they're good. The new Slipknot record, by by my account, I, I'm not saying it's bad or whatever. I'm saying I'm not connecting to it. You know, if I say the same thing about the Lamb of God record or whatever the case may be, I'm just saying there's always these benchmark bands that I kind of grew up with that are mainstream. I say there's the mainstream, right? But the, yeah. what my counterpoint is that. I think what I am missing is the underground. I, I mean, you can say that we're having all this movement. If the movement's on an internet based because we've been, you know, shacked yeah. up in a in a house for two years, and the underground to me is like I'm in a dingy basement at a punk rock club or a metal club, and there's yeah. a band on stage that is fucking bleeding, and I'm like, I need to know them, and I need to smell them, and this is violent. This is what whatever emotion it is. And that didn't exist for me anymore, right? Nothing really feels that raw anymore. Well, it was taken away. You know, like I said, that's why my 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 disconnect is like how safe everything feels when it comes to art, right? And I also feel the artist has to be safe in these times as well. So let's just add that to it. You you have to be safe 
to continue on a career until the trajectory of how the world kind of is right now. Um, I think we should also point out, though, that there are some institutional bands that they may not create anything that drastically different, but that's because what they do is really high quality. So I'm also not, I want to be clear that I'm not saying that if a band doesn't evolve, they're not great because I'll live and die on the helm of Kill Switch Engage. And although they've had their evolutions, they've, they've stayed within the range of what they're really fucking excellent at. But that's what I and, mean. You, you, no, yeah. you, you know that the institutionalized bands are the records that I'm talking about. You know? Yeah. It's, it's like they don't, there's nothing to lose yeah. with not playing it safe right now. Yeah, because you knots. can't complain us because we've been so yeah. um, for we've the, been so satisfied for so long that if you give us something risky, we're just going to be excited by it. Yeah, yeah. And this one, Slipknot, Lamb of God, and Megadeth. Those came out in the last month. Let's just say that. Um, everybody that's heard the records, I'm sure, is like, yeah, that's those are those are Slipknot tunes. Those are Meg- the, and not none of them are bad, right? But what what is the risk factor? What, what is where did this come from? Where where is that in that? Or is this just another slab of of hey man, you guys know how to write. Hey, Slipknot knows how to write a Slipknot song. Yeah, obviously they do. Yeah. But what are you going to do differently than just write a Slipknot song this time around? I guess that's what I'm looking for. What are you going to do differently than if we go to Megadeth, then write a, a kick-ass thrash song with the amazing backup band like Dirk and and Kiko and all those guys? Um, and you know, I've I've got. The- but, but is this wrong of us to expect them to do it differently? Is is this well? That's what I mean. Yeah, because we do, and that's where the conversation kind of goes into is like we. I, I understand that there's no way around personalizing things and being selfish in modern times um, when it comes to other people's art. It's a very strange realization to be like it's not about you, um, but the connection is about me, right? That's why I'm not saying this to the world. I don't know if the fans out there feel the same way about me or about what I'm saying. It could just be a internal thing that I'm having. My excitement for, all right, let me put my ears to, you know, this Slipknot record, let's just say. And me tuning out so fast and me being like, all right, listen to it again. And then me going, holy shit, Melvin's put a record out. And then me putting on the Melvin's and be like, oh, yes, weird, great. I love it. Like, what does yeah. that say? You know, like, I love the new Melvin's uh, record they just dropped on Friday. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan, right? Rising. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that one spoke to me immediately, right? Um, but again... And, and I know that's a we can talk about how that's in our metal sphere, you know, and and how you can trust get, the Melvins. Could we be outgrowing our bands? Could that be happening? I don't think so. That's the thing is that like I feel like I feel like, and I could be wrong that there's boxes that have to be checked, and and people are playing it safe in a in a very dangerous genre um, <laughs> to make sure yeah. that they they they. You know, and look, there was a financial hit for all these performers, dude. So I get That's it. I'm not saying anything. Never competitive know. market right now. The 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 way that music has become an e-commerce platform. You uh-huh. know, it's it's basically an Etsy shop now. You know, they have to fight so hard for every dollar that, you know, I don't blame any band for feeling like playing it safe is the way to go because you do risk the fan base anytime you take a risk, but you also risk not growing the fan base i feel like because i feel like every time you take a risk is when it expands the um bubble of effect of your album because people are talking about it in a different way it's going to hit different people's ears so i I don't know i don't know what the right answer is i feel like 
I feel like maybe they're doing themselves a little bit of a disservice by, um, yeah, I, I'm never going to fault someone for being financially scared because we live in such a destitute fucking society. But it, I totally 100% think that there is much more to be gained in taking a risk. And if you go to live shows though, and, and we have, and I have constantly the last year or so is like the, the energy is so amazing from the fans to the bands to all that stuff that I think that I'm going back to your original point, that energy is going to get us some crazy great music. But a lot of this stuff, a lot of the, the stuff that I'm not connecting with, that energy was absent. And that's yeah, the it, first it, it time. Because right? Those albums were created about a wishing that they were out there. You know, you're sitting in your house wishing, thinking about your past thinking about who you were, thinking about what your life was like. Yeah. And that was the energy under which you were creating. It makes a lot of sense that it, it feels rooted in something old and not here and not present. Yeah. Being unsure is, is always a, a as a, for an artist, I can only imagine being unsure is going to be something that's going to be kind of crippling. And then you're going to just be like, well, that's good enough. Um, I feel like, I, and, that, and that's, and I'll leave it at that. And we're talking about just this because Jim Root brought up this point and I've, I've seen people being like, wow, he's bashing the record. I feel like he's really saying something honest about like, hey man, he's he's not he doesn't know how he feels. He doesn't know yeah. right now what's good, what's safe, what's what's going on, but he knows he's gotta please the fans. He knows he's gotta get on the road, he knows he's gotta do the cycle, but like You know he signed a contract to create an album and they had to create an album and they paused. did. Yeah. And but and he, life was paused. Yeah. So yeah. uh yeah. So I mean that's that's kind of where we're going. I'm still super excited about metal because i know i just want to go on record and say i didn't mean filler album the way it sounded it's well, really I, I'm just culturally appropriating a drag term really what it means is you're not first place but you're not last place that's all it means it means it's like you're not the worst but you're also not the best you know <laughs> so it's not horrible i'm not being not mean i'm just being honest it's like when i have the word slip in like an argument with my wife i'm like i in the way she takes this completely not I the way i meant it <laughs> i can't come back because you took it that way and i meant it this way right it was like I, the, the fans understand um, but in essence, like your terminology, like, like I said, just cause they've I, been listening to me for a decade, yeah. they know I don't know how to use my words correctly and I'm kind of a bitch. But so no, they're surprised by that <laughs> a lot of people will be like, will will consider some of the records by these institutional bands. Like you said, they're going to consider them filler. I don't, I just think it's been a challenging time and and then again, like, I think what's frustrating for me is like, and, and this is my selfishness. And like you said, there's this thing where we feel like we own our artists art where I feel like I wait so long for these new albums, like for bands that I really love, like highly suspect. And when I'm disappointed by what comes out or it doesn't resonate with me the way the last album did, or doesn't excite me the way the last album did, it just kind of sucks. It just sucks. That's all, you know, mm -hmm. it's hard not to get in your feelings about it when you love a band so much and you're like, Oh, I've been waiting so long. You guys. Yeah, and, and and it has to be right timing, and and when you put in the work, and that's the thing as a fan, you got to put in the work. I've always told people that don't listen to something two songs on. I'm like, no, you put in the work. Listen to the thing. Live with it for a, a week. Lot. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, like put in the work. That, Here's you know, the other thing: is I understand as an artist how difficult it is to create high caliber things on a regular level that meets even your own standards. So I want to be really clear that like, even though I may not, I may say I'm disappointed, I still listen to the albums because I love these bands. Like, I'm still going to support them. Because I feel like um, I have a duty as a fan to support the artist and not the works, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. And and then going back to the selfish thing, and this is the thing. This is why I'm I'm going both sides. And I'll, I'll say one more comment after that, and we'll move on to the next story. Is that a lot of times the albums that we love are the albums when we're in a certain part of our life that allows that album to be super meaningful for us. Let's just say for a band, yeah. um, if it's Slipknot or whoever, you know, um, that's just the band we're talking about because that's the headline. And it's hard for us to have those emotions, those times, and all those things again for that. Now, a new listener can be exactly on there, and this album could be the one that will always be for them. And, and this is something I interviewed John Bush, Armored Saint, Anthrax. Um, and I remember there was a question about something, and I don't want to say totally off context, but about like ranking, I think, the, the records he did with Anthrax, right? or something like that. I can't remember the exact terminology. And he stated what I want to hear from an artist. He's like, I'll never say anything bad about any record I've ever done because there is somebody out there that that album connected with, helped out, and did so many things. And if you hear something from me in a negative light about that work, um, I'm taking away that fan's moment with the band, connection with the band. Um, even if he personally wasn't like a fan of it, he'll never say nothing negative. And, I, and, I, and that's the answer I want to hear. I'm like, thank you, because I've... I've loved records that have helped me out and i've heard fans go like yeah it's my least favorite one and i'm like oh what no you're 100 right you know? i i been so harsh even in how i talked about it today because i know exactly how that feels when i um talk about stampede um and by hell yeah, uh, by hell, hell yeah stampede <laughs> we're talking about everybody go ahead and continue best records of the last decade i have a lot of memories yes to it. Okay. that's what i'm saying and to your point, I totally understand how it feels. Like as much as I can laugh at myself, I'm also like, man, like I know that album's not everyone's favorite, but when it's attached to some of the best memories of your life, it feels like the soundtrack to your soul, man. Yeah. I don't know. And that's what I'm saying. Some of these, some of these albums that I'm not connecting with because I have this long twenty, maybe thirty year history with the band, uh, listening to their records. It doesn't mean shit, and I'll never say anything overtly negative because there is a fan out there that's discovering heavy music, and that is sitting down with the darklyrics.com or .net, wherever you can get lyrics from on the internet, because I don't think they're buying records. <laughs> so there's a there's a dig on young people. Sorry, young people, um, or buying the vinyl, you know, or whatever. And they're getting to the lyrics, and they're getting to that point. But that's the reason an artist stays alive and relevant is that they find that new fan base on that new album and that's why they put out new records is to find the youth um and it'd be meaningful so i'm all about it i just kind of got a little i just kind of related to what he was saying to be like dude i i am unsure of my excitement's there but then after my ears hit the platforms um i'm unsure why i'm not connecting with my old friends like i always and that's what I, these bands are they're old friends i don't understand why i'm not connecting because there's nothing that i can hear that's bad you know, it's just... yeah, but I also feel like pandemic was a pressure cooker uh -huh. and a lot of people um, under that pressure cooker really, be, you know, they became diamonds. Like a lot of people really worked on themselves. They took advantage of the time. And I feel like there was an exponential growth for a lot of people in my life. And I think that created distance between the energies and vibes of the people that that maybe didn't do it as much or, or were struggling a little bit harder and didn't have as much privilege or whatever the case may be, or they had more stress. Um, they didn't have that advantage of, of the pandemic downtime feeling like downtime. So 
I don't know. I feel like there's a, a disparity right now because I feel it in my personal life, even between people who have really gone inward and turned their shit apart and been like, all right, I'm done repeating those old patterns. And there, there's an entire group of people who are kind of just like still sitting in it. Yeah. No, and that's when people talk about a division, it's a division of, of we used to kind of live in a very similar way. And now we've divided into, like you said, stay indoors, stay inside, stay away from people. We don't need to be out there. And us that are like, no, 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 no. If I'm not out there, I'm not alive. And yeah. there, there's, there's just two different complete ways to take on entertainment, life, and everything. I have to be at a live show and deaf the next day to feel alive. Um, and other people are like, no, I can be at the live stream and feel it, right? So uh, I get it. I do. Um, but people write me, let me know if I'm off base. So many institutional bands put out records this year. And I don't want to hear, I don't want people to write like, Hey, I didn't like to know ghost record. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm not talking about the opinion. Did you connect with it? Did you connect with Megadeth, Behemoth, Soil Work, Creator, uh, Slipknot, Lamb of God, like all the, all these institutional type of records, right? Um, did you connect with them or do you guys kind of feel like it was just all played safe on the mainstream level of the metal uh, and, and world? shout out to the new Machine Head album because that was not a disappointment. So I agree. I know. I think I don't want us to just harp on the the thing because there it's also yeah. truly have been some redemption rounds this year. No, there there have, and I I I feel like um it was a different situation. Uh, I feel like Rob Flynn started a podcast. He started doing a lot of things that a lot of other bands didn't. Um that allowed that fire to spark. Like he was doing a lot of the live. He, he just, it doesn't seem like he found a way to make it all very much where they're not stuck at home. And he had his audience with him the whole time through. So, and I agree with you on the, on the machine head record. I do. Um, but I, I want to hear the fans rise to offend at gmail.com guys, write me, or you can DM us on our social medias, any of us. Um, and just see, you know, if I'm off base, if it's me, or if you guys kind of are feeling the same way. I'm connecting with the shit with the uh, underground bands. Like we're talking about autopsy, man, I can't stop listening to this record. I fucking love it. I needed it. You know, it's super important, but it's, uh, it's the ones that the ones I'm talking about are the, the main, the more mainstream institutionalized bands that I'm like, all right, am I farther, farther away um, from ever understanding the mainstream of heavy metal? Like that happened with rock in like 2000, whatever, 10 on like the Nickelback shine down years. And I'm not talking shit about those bands. I'm just saying I disconnected from all those because I didn't relate to them. And now I wonder if I'm disconnecting from all the mainstream bands out there. Here's what I'll also say, though. Because of the expansiveness of the music industry and how wide it is now and how um, accessible musicians are to us, I also would say, especially in our privileged positions in the metal community, I feel like we are also exposed to a lot of excellent fucking art. And I think that maybe some of our standards have risen a little bit. Oh, no, the, the more you're alive, the more your standards rise. There's no doubt. They did a, a, a retrospective on Alice in Chains' Dirt thir- turning 30 years. And I was like, oh, fucking, let me put this on. I've been talking about Alice in Chains in the last few interviews, you know, um, and all that stuff. And it's an, uh, like I just listened to that record. And I'm like, holy shit, the goosebumps, you know, like and everything like yeah. that. I'm like, what a, what a, what a, 30 years later, what this, what a monumental, perfect record voice you know that voice is everything that voice is, yeah that voice is one of a kind a gift from god from the yeah. heavens from another galaxy i mean literally alien worshipful like i'm obsessed and and i can tell you like a song like rooster that i've i've heard so many times like enter sandman i 
it's like I never want to hear it, but when I when I listen to the record in its entirety, it's just another one of those highlight moments, just like Wood um, and uh, Them Bones and all those songs. But I'm, I'm, I feel like there's a lot of albums like that for me in my life. Pearl Jam Live is like that for me. You know, I have a really strong connection to the Grunge era, so that album was really transformative to me. So I, I, I listen to that album still to this day, and I'm like, fuck, this music was serious. But that <laughs> connection, know? that connection yeah. right there, and, and that was a mainstream record. People, yep. if you weren't alive, that's the mainstream grunge was to me uh, metalish whatever mainstream rock whatever um that's what i mean that connection to that mainstream metal band not playing it safe and doing something to be like we're just gonna expand and, and nail it um that's what i'm missing this year that's exactly well, what i'm never, talking about ever forget the jeremy video when you watch it at eight years old on vh1 <laughs> that's burned into my brain for the rest of my life you know yeah no no absolutely and that's um, what you're talking about is I, here I am proving your point. That was a risk. That music video was a risk at the time. You didn't have to play it safe then. There is something to be said about that. That's that's a theory. We're thinking out loud. There's something to be said about uh, being on the level of a, a machine like Slipknot and being really, really edgy at this stage in their career like well, what, what i saw metallica last last time i saw metallica was this year um you know i think i said on the show i mean it's a family friendly show dude it's not like it's good everything's fine but it's it's not there's no bite to it man there's no bite to see metallica live anymore there yeah, isn't it's whatsoever yeah I mean, I don't, I, you're right, but you're, you know, I'm not going to disagree, but that's what I'm saying. So like <laughs> kids seeing that aren't going to be like, whoa, this is thrash metal. No, it's just, and I know the songs are what they are because of how far we went, but that's, that's what I mean. And it's weird to think that Slipknot is going to eventually be that way. Right. Well, I don't think they will, but the point is, it's just a weird thought. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it. I just, I, I, I always like to have my pulse on the mainstream and understand why they're so popular. And I'd like to get that new record and be like, Jesus Christ, they did it again. You know, um, yeah, is, I would like to be excited by a mainstream, uh, metal record again. Yeah. Um, and, unless you know, it's kill switch. I'm, I mean, kill switch just feeds me what I want every time to be honest. So I can never complain, but you know, I'm just a stand. So, you know, maybe I'm biased, but outside of that, it's like, you know, I just want to be excited again. I want to hear something and just be, and, and I want to not, be able to not play it over and over and over again. Like you're, you're, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Next story, real quick. Allison Chains retrospective, guys. If you haven't heard Dirt, listen to it again. Just let it hit you. It's amazing. Last story, actually. Before we, I just saw we went a little longer than I thought. Um, it's okay. Uh, right in, guys. Rise to offend at gmail.com. I'm curious. I'm curious if the mainstream metal is running away from us the, in the underground. They used to always kind of have a similar. I mean, they were always different, but there was always like a similar. Something. I didn't feel a huge disconnect uh, from the commercialized thing, but I, I could be wrong again. You know. So, last story I want to talk about, guys. Uh, Ronnie James Dio. For you guys that don't know, I'm a fan of his. Um, you don't say. Yeah, you don't say. I I have a three year old son that's running around right now. <laughs> Named after him. <laughs> his first name is Dio. Dio Patton. People never believe me when I tell them. That. Yeah, because. <laughs> It's funny because whenever I take him around, yeah, his name's Dio. What Dio? Like, come on, man. 
You're not. He's going to be so cool. Come on. Dude, I'm so jealous of Dio. And he's already like insane. So I know he's going to be so cool. Oh, dude, I, I tell you, he's uh, he is uh He's 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 a joyous child. I love him to death. But anyway, so they are uh, planning a Ronnie James Dio museum, and um, I I love this idea. But this is what I'm going to put my two cents on this. Right? Oh. Okay. Um. You know, Wendy Dio. Obviously, she's saying that um, they're going to put together a. They got a whole storage locker full of stuff and yada yada, and they can put together a museum uh, one day. I think that a traveling museum, which I know it sounds weird, but they used to do these where you used to travel them out. And there were just like these vans that they would make out there and then people can come in. I think a traveling museum of Ronnie James Dio, uh, Lemmy, Ozzy, at metal festivals would be a fucking golden thing because they're not going to be at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, at least, you know. So I really think like these bands that have these 50 60 year legacies that are legendary you know i think a traveling museum to these festivals is a fucking genius idea and fans well, it's will also pay- a social media gold mine so people will post about it yeah it'll be like a thing and people will be like oh did you go to the Dio museum it'll be like the rick and morty wendy's you know yeah. and, and since we got chris on the show i mean if there was a like a little like a traveling van of like death stuff with like chuck shouldeners like guitar and all that stuff just for fans to walk through man you know oh, yeah um, i mean i'm a nerd i fucking... still get excited every time i go to hard rock live on the strip and i'm just like standing that close to some of those things like I love that shit. Well, Prince was small. <laughs> you know, like, but yeah, exactly. I know what you're saying, That's right? the best part. You're like, damn. But, but the point is, is that just a metal museum, if you just do one in Los Angeles or do one in a major city, it's not going to, that's not what we need. Come find us. Travel with it, you know? Yeah. But Make they, it an event. Yeah, these legendary things would be so amazing to do. And the idea of that, like I said, all, all like heavy metal I'd like it to be just about one person, but even if it's like a traveling heavy metal thing with whatever. you got to do it. You got to you got to get some investors and do the spike side show. Me, investors, yeah. right right now. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the interest rate? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I will not take money out. Anyways, uh, the point is, I'm kidding, everybody. Um, yeah, but just saying the the Wendy, the deal thing. I want to see. Same. I want to see. I hope there's it so comes many, to Vegas. I hope this happens, and I hope it does travel. If there's any remote possibility, it does. But if there's, if it's in a major city, and I happen to be there, I'll definitely go. Yeah, and it it didn't say anything about traveling. I added that part. You oh, said that, that one day there'll be a museum, but I think that it would work really good if they did that. If they made it like a traveling thing with festivals, and and they just kind of set up a. I don't want to say a tent. It needs to be like air conditioned. <laughs> Because there's stuff in there that you don't want out in the heat. Actually, now that you're telling me more uh, of your ideas, I don't think you should be in charge of this. I, I would, I would, I would be a killer. Uh, I would, I would be a killer. Here's the thing: why I shouldn't be in charge of anything? Because I, I don't want to make money. I want to make fans happy. That's why. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. And that's you can't have that mindset. No, no, no. Metal's oh. my best friend. It saved my life. Here, just give me a dollar. Go look at uh, uh, Rob <laughs> Halford's uh, slacks. It's cool. Go. I don't like. And that's not. That's not how it works. To not sustainable. No, to be able to travel with something like that. So, anyways, with that, guys, thanks for hanging in there. It's time to get to the bread and butter 
the reason you guys are here. Here's my interview with the one and only Chris Reifart from Autopsy. Everybody, what's going on, Petter? Metal Sucks Podcast on the phone. I have Chris from Autopsy. Man, we are here to celebrate, my friend. Morbidity Triumphant. It's coming out September 30th. Oh, man, it's been a blast listening to it. I'm, that's the great thing about my job is I get to, to spend time with it like all week before an interview, right? And um, Excellent. It's, uh, it's just so much fun, man. But you know what else I did this week um, is that as crazy as this sounds, I know people... You know, I, I I still buy VHS tapes. Do you have any VHS tapes in your house? Or are you done with? Um, them? I I do. They're unfortunately all in boxes in the garage, but I do own them. We went to a we go to like a, a Goodwill, and they'll be like twenty five cents or really cheap. And my lady found it found hated the documentary, the Gigi Allen documentary at a Goodwill. Oh yeah, for a quarter, right? Nice. And so, um, yeah, here's the thing. We get home. I'm like, I can't believe we found this. This is amazing. Didn't work. <laughs> uh, you can buy it on DVD or watch it on YouTube now, you know. Yeah, that's that's where it's at. I was like, all right. It was just this whole excitement of, like, watching that documentary on an old VHS. I'm like, it's going to bring you back to the basement years. Um, yeah, yeah. Man. But, uh, dude, and just it made me think about, uh, you were a, did you ever see Gigi Allen live? Because you were in the pocket during that time as a as a fan right no i I never saw him live oh i sure didn't yeah i can't even recall of one time him coming i'm in las vegas i can't even recall him coming here he had to have but that is uh that is like a a a a, an essence of music that i think does not really exist anymore i mean you're much more on the pulse of things like that are there bands out there that are still keeping that flag afloating like Gigi? yeah I don't think so. I mean, I don't see. I mean, there's. I'm sure there's some, some crazy shit going down somewhere that that we don't know about. But I mean, no one can be like that again. It's, it was like a, just a one of one in a kind one of a kind thing. You know, it's like there's, you know, there was only one Jimi Hendrix. There was only one Bruce Lee. There was only one Gigi Allen. Not that any of those people are anything like each other. But you know what I mean? Like they're. Yeah. There could be someone as as good as Bruce Lee or something like that, but there's you're not going to get another Bruce or or Jimi Hendrix or or you name it or fucking Keith Moon or whatever. You know, there's just some people can't be duplicated. You know, even if other people are as good or uh, do their best to copy or whatever, some things just you know you uh it's it's a once in a lifetime thing that can't happen again yeah dude i like that and that's that's something that i like the older i get i'm like timing on all that stuff plays such a huge role in everything including like you know when we're talking about autopsy like the timing of when you first started the band you know the timing of the comeback all that stuff really really mattered right it does yeah yeah and uh because if you did it too like say say macabre eternal was released i don't know three years earlier or something like that. Do you think it would have made a difference in the excitement uh, for the band? I, I can't say. Yeah. I mean, there's, we can't turn back the hands of time so or forward. So there's no way to tell. We have no reference point, you know, it just things happen when they happen. And sometimes it's, it's good. And sometimes it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, so, uh, but you know, for our, for our part, we can't force ourselves to do anything that, that weren't meant to happen when they happened, you know, I mean, we, we, uh, go by our own pace as in case no one has noticed. We're not like a, a clockwork band that does 
things on a normal schedule, you know, or anything like that. It's just sort of when we're ready to do something, we do it. And if we're not doing something, that means it's not meant to happen at that moment. But I mean, have in your mind, do you give yourself deadlines um, when you're creating or no? Uh, well, yes, only, only in the sense that if we, we tell ourselves, Hey, it's time to make a new album, whether it's been one year or eight years or whatever, then we say, okay, let's, let's, let's target, you know, a date where we want to book studio time just to make this happen. So the idea doesn't slip away. So, you know, like with the, with the new album we just did, we're like, okay, we feel like it's time to make a new album. We're, we're in the mood for writing stuff. We have a, a window, however slim it is, and it was, of time to make this record. We better book studio time in order to make it reality and not just some weird pipe dream. So we booked the studio time. Therefore, ta-da, that's our deadline. So we have to show up in the studio knowing what we're doing. You know, We have to be well rehearsed and know exactly what we're doing so we don't show up and go, okay, now the label's paying X amount of dollars a day for the studio. What do we do? How do we start? We can't do that. We have to show up and fucking rock it. Um, shows, that's another one. You know, if you have to have a set prepared for a show, that means you have to rehearse. And that also means you have a deadline. You know, like we just got back from um, playing London over the weekend. That was our deadline for that one. Yeah. <laughs> for having our shit together, you can't show up in London and be like, hey, I'm sorry, guys, but we don't know what we're doing. So deadlines definitely make our world go around. But if we don't feel like doing something like a show or a record or what have you, then there's no there's no need. But, um, yeah, we've been super busy lately, so everything's a deadline these days. I love it. Or I mean, I love it as a fan. I'm sure that it's, yeah, it's a little bit different. But, dude, the excitement is there. I mean, you feel it, right? You're seeing, you just said you played London. You feel it in this crowd that's all, like, awakened after that COVID time, right? I mean, it's just a different vibe for me as a fan. Are you feeling that energy on stage as well? Um, I, You know, I think at this point no one's really comparing to – pre-covid times versus post-covid times and, and not in my mind I, I know i wasn't thinking along those lines yeah. but i mean definitely like we played la in january this year and that one you were feeling it you know that was because that was like the first one where we could actually do something again after you know scrapping plans for two years so that the, being the first one back it was definitely in the forefront of the mind you know because you just couldn't help but know it. It was still kind of sketch too, just like, oh, should we be around groups of people right now? I don't know. This might not be the, the wisest idea. There was definitely that feeling kind of hanging in the air. But the show was killer. Everything was good. It all turned out good. Um, but after that, the the feeling, although it's it's still there a little bit, you know, but not so much now. You know, it's uh, as as the shows have progressed, things have felt a little more normal you know in increments um but uh yeah i don't know i I, like in in the the uk one it just felt like a normal show you know so everyone everyone over there was acting like everything was normal so we just followed suit and said okay everything's normal everyone's passing around joints and not worrying about it and all that kind of fun stuff. So, you know, um, there you go. Sweet, man. Yeah. No, I, 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 I kind of feel, I felt, I remember the original, it's been the first show I went to was a year ago of, about that after the, the time and, you know, having the mask on the face and the pocket and all that stuff and not knowing how yeah, to yeah. do it. But, man, I'm telling you, the second those amps hit, it didn't matter what band. 
for me. Like for me, the first band I saw was Obituary, and I just it just didn't matter. I'm like, dude, it's there's just my li- like <laughs> I don't know, my, yeah, my no, life I, is back, you know, <laughs> like it was yeah, so cool. I know. Yeah, we we yeah. eased into shows over here last year with going to some outdoor ones, you know, we saw yeah. King Crimson and oh, nice. then we saw Kiss and you know, it was all like outdoor and it felt okay, you know, but um, you know, we're just kind of easing back into things. Things seem to be okay for the moment knock on wood you know so we're enjoying it absolutely and talking about the new record man everybody morbidity triumphant is coming out september 30th the first one in eight years writing it as we said the deadline process you have to be forced into it but writing it it did it start pre-covid times or was this something that you guys did really organic and quickly um actually it was it was it was both um we were originally supposed to record the new album in june of 2020 um amidst all the other dates that we had booked that you know everything got you know postponed and or canceled don't need to go into the backstory about that everyone experienced it from their own end but um so that was supposed to be the new album um was june two years ago um and we had some stuff written for it not all of it because our deadline wasn't close enough you know so we had some like stuff uh maggots in the mirror was one song that was we had ready to go and we ended up playing that one live ended up on the live album. So that was like a taste of the new stuff. But, um, I know once we had to cancel the studio dates, I can't speak for everybody else, but anything beyond maggots that I wrote, I just threw away because I had too much time to scrutinize and, and just think about, you know, like riffs and stuff, you know, and plus there was, it kind of felt like there was no point. Like why even bother having new stuff right now? We can't, do anything with it you know it's pointless so whatever and then too much thinking time so i just kind of threw away any and basically anything i wrote you know um from my part because all right so i threw my stuff away and then um time came to do the new album and then it was it was time to uh get a fresh start which is really nice you know we kept maggots in the mirror so that was like the the hold back from the, the what would have been the album a couple of years ago and then and then we wrote a bunch of brand, brand new stuff, like right before going in, which is exciting because then it's, you know, none of it feels stale. You know, it's uh, it's fresh and leaping out at you. So so it's kind of both, you know, in that way. Um, I don't know what the album would have sounded like if we'd done it two years ago. There's no way to say. But um, the, the time family finally came around to uh, get to the new one. And uh, we're happy <laughs> that it finally happened. Do you over tinker with stuff that you write? Like when when you started off, if it's not that fresh feeling, like and you have to go back and forth, are are you someone that that does do that as a as a you know creator? Like, let me just keep making it better. Like, when do you say when on a song? Uh, just when it feels like it's finished. I'm yeah. sure everyone else would say the same thing. You know, I don't normally fuss for a song over over months or anything like that unless it's necessary, but. It just depends you know every song is different sometimes it'll just fall out of your head and in 10 minutes and you go whoa i have a new song <laughs> took 10 minutes because it just you know needed to come out or sometimes you know you might write half a song and and ponder over it for a while and be like all right what is what else does this need or or whatever um it, it, each one's different so it's, it's hard to say there's no uh, rigid formula that's cool man yeah definitely is there one that you can remember off the top of your head that took a long time for you to finally all right, this one's right. On the new album? Sure. Yeah, or you, any album actually. If you if there's um, one that you remember that tormented you a little bit. I'm 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 down no, to hear that. Not, 
Yeah. No, nothing really is 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 jumping out. Yeah. You know, in, in that regard, um, the new album there was no time to do that. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had enough material. Um, we had this very narrow window of time to to pull the album off. And looking back, I still can't believe we did it. It feels like it was years ago, but we, you know, just to just to put a timeline on it. After we didn't play for two years, you know, or a year and a half, whatever it was, and then all of a sudden, you know, the news breaks that we're going to do everything we we're supposed to do two years ago. All the shows are back on, but but the pieces are arranged differently in the puzzle box. You know, this show was supposed to be this month, and now it's this month, and, and you know, so on and so forth. So all all the shows came back arranged differently, and we had this little teeny tiny window of time between the LA show in January. And and uh, um, our Portugal and Netherlands shows uh, beginning of uh, May. So what that meant was we had to hurry up and, and learn the set. We hadn't played for almost two years for the L.A. show. Just, you know, we had to just play what we knew. We didn't have time to explore our, our catalog too much. Just kind of just get a set together and fucking do it, you know, because there was no time. And then that left us basically two months to record the new album after that. So we played the LA show. We had to immediately shove the set list out of our heads, forget all about it and learn the new album stuff, rehearse it and get ready to record it within about a two month period of time, which if that sounds crazy, it was. <laughs> and then we had to, as soon as we did that, like as the moment the album was mixed and mastered, that left us about two weeks, two weeks ish to, shove all that stuff out of our heads and relearn the set that we just relearned. And that gave us about two weeks to get that together and go to Portugal and get back into show mode. So fucking insanity, man. Uh, you know, I don't know how any of these things happened, but, but they did all the months that you were like in that pocket, like all of us, it was like, they're like, let's force this, let's force six months of work into two right on you. They're like, let's just do it. Oh, it was, yeah. It was, <laughs> If you listen to the album and you hear a sense of urgency, because it's because there was one. You know, we were, we were. Uh, it was, it was kind of a frenzied session. You know, we knew we didn't have time to fuck around or fuck up or or anything like that. It was just like full on pedal to the metal all the way until it was done. So it was, uh, yeah. Oh, the flow <laughs> it was though. One of those uh, twice yeah. as bright, half as long. <laughs> but then you get to realize it later like the flow of the album is so so great man the songs are excellent and like i said it's just it's just it's you guys it's your identity it's everything that uh, a fan wants man I'm, I'm a huge fan of that now one thing i always wonder about because you know we love artwork on the death metal side and and all that stuff did did that take a lot of time or was that kind of because i think the artwork's amazing did that take a lot of time or did you kind of have to you know figure that out really quickly as well no, that happened fast. Oh, it did. Um, that was Wes. Wes is a fucking Wes is a maniac. You know, I mean, every time we've worked with him several times, and every time he does does something for us, we're like, that's the best one yet. <laughs> and once once again, we saw this, we're like, that's the best one yet. We couldn't believe it. You know, I mean, we we don't give him much to work with. I'll give him like maybe a couple of song titles and possibly lyrics for a, a song or something, and he doesn't really do much with our ideas he kind of just sort of captures the essence of what we're what we're going for and then he runs with it and that's what he did we i think the only thing that we we gave him instructions on was there's a character in the front 
with the, the like sores on his back. And the only thing we said was make the sores more gross, which he did. <laughs> and that was it, you know, otherwise he just, he just goes for it. So, um, <clears throat> I don't remember how long it, it took him to, to do it, but it was, it was pretty fast. Like, you know, a couple weeks or something like that or, or whatever, you know, from the pencil sketch, to the finished project, you know, as soon as he knows that we like where he's going, he just goes for it. You know, I'm sure he's a busy guy, you know, and has got other things to do besides our cover. So he wants to get it done. And, uh, he did. And fuck, I'm, I just found out we're getting our copies mailed to us next week. And that's my favorite moment is when they show up and you open up the box and I get to actually like hold the vinyl and, yeah. you know, open it up and get that new vinyl smell and the whole thing, you know, that's just kind of what, what makes it all uh, worthwhile. Dude, and, and, and the cover, for people that haven't seen it, guys, make sure you do. But, like, I'm telling you, like, I have a record store out here in Vegas I go to. And you always walk through the vinyl section of the new releases, and then there's always that one cover. And I'm not saying it's always metal, right? Sometimes, for me, probably it is. But, like, this is the cover that's going to stop the people that don't know what Autopsy is and be like, that's fucking crazy. You're right? It's like you're going to see that vinyl right on display and be like, dude, this is the cover. Like, you know what I'm saying? And that's how I, that's how I got into death metal as a kid was vinyl covers being like what the hell does this sound like you know like that was really such a huge part of the scene you know for me um well, and- i did the same thing i can't yeah. tell you how many times i as a, a young teenager you know before there was a thing called death metal you yeah. know just yeah. you know rock and and heavy metal covers just buying albums blindly going well i hope this is good you know because the album cover is great and the song titles on the back are cool and the band picture is cool and they got no keyboard players so (laughs) (laughs) so let's give this a chance and most of the time uh, the risk paid off you know not always but most of the time so yeah cover art man that's you got to have that that's that's a big piece of the uh, picture there it's necessary when when a band gets lazy this and this is just a mental thing for me when a band gets lazy on their cover art and then I, i i get the record it somehow never sounds great to me i'm always like eh it's like the cover art really, in my mind, has always been transfixed to the album, where it, it's it's the uh, it's like the uh, first time meeting someone or something, you know. It's such a yeah. big deal, and and uh, yeah, have you ever done that where you're like you've seen the cover art and it's kind of lazy, and then you're like, eh, and you just kind of weren't into the record as much as you thought you would be. I suppose, yeah. yeah. I mean, the music the music comes first, of course. Yeah you know um but yeah i i totally know what you mean i mean the music and the art go hand in hand you know it's a very you know it's not like some pop album cover where it's just a, a picture of the artist and you know or just some dumb thing that doesn't mean anything and it's this has got to convey the message you know this is this is what you're going to hear you know what you're seeing here you know at least in our case that's you know yeah this look at it this is what it's going to sound like <laughs> and i'll take this challenge um that you can go to an artist like prince right you take his least sexy album cover i bet you it's his worst record <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, all sub- it's all subjective yeah. you know but uh I, I totally know where you're going yeah dude absolutely so uh anyway so let me tell everybody one more time morbidity triumphant guides it's coming out september 30th pre-order it as you know the vinyls are going to be ready for fans uh when the album comes out which has been kind of a thing the last year that also kind of threw us off but you guys are going to have them ready for the fan base right uh on the album release date correct yeah yeah there's gonna be vinyl and cd and uh for the first time in 30 years for us cassettes you guys are doing cassettes is it a colored cassette by chance do you know uh 
um the actual like the cassette itself yeah like, i don't know if we've seen that part oh, um okay. we've, we've seen the the layout for the you know um whatever you call it the, you know the the booklet thing and stuff the whatever you call the cassette packaging yeah. uh, and i know there's a term for it i don't know what it is but we've seen what it looks like and it looks cool uh, we're just stoked because the last time we've had a cassette release was actually unspeakable which was seriously 30 years ago so this is kind of a cool thing oh man it's cool i i, I still i still purchase the cassettes every that's the thing that i just noticed is that every one that i purchased it seems like the set's like a purple or a green or like a red and, oh yeah i don't know about that yeah it's like the actual cassette because uh, i'm so used to the old school ones that are like either white or like black yeah you know? but yeah so they're, they're having all these color ones so it's like that's part of the uh the the fun for me is that i'm like all right what color is this cassette gonna be but yeah dude that is that is exciting dude do you do you still um have like cassettes that you listen to or, or i have cassettes yeah. but same thing oddly enough I, in the house i've got four cassette decks you know, like a boom box and, you know, a couple of actual decks and whatever. None of them work. They yeah. all, <laughs> they all broke. Man, because, you know, cassette players are, are a, a flawed medium. You know, the rollers wear out and stuff if you play them enough. And, of course, if I have something, I'm going to play it, you know, until it breaks. So at some point, I would like to get a new cassette deck. Um, I've got shit tons of cool cassettes in boxes going back to, like, you know, demos from the 80s to you know things that i've got recently you know like you know recent issues that people have uh sent to me or or whatever and they're just i'm just looking at this stack i'm like i need to fucking listen to these you know so i will have to remedy that situation at some point dude for me for me uh, i not to go back to like goodwill or whatever but yeah dude same thing i've bought in a couple boom boxes just for the cassette deck and then the cd player works the cassette deck doesn't work that's the that's the tricky thing about like the used stuff is that like you don't get the uh you don't get to try it out. Like, I have to bring a cassette there to make sure it works. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, that's smart. Yeah, because otherwise it's probably it's, it's like you're something paid. that someone has played for years and it's about to conk out. Yeah, it's like a $1.99, so I never get, like, upset about it. But, like, uh, I did get one that finally worked, and I'll tell you right now, man, I pulled out all the, cause all the cassettes you got. Like, they're 30 years old for me. Same thing for, like, 80s to, like, 93. You know, that's really when I kind of stopped. So it's like this golden age of great cassettes you know and yeah my journey through death metal really was all on those cassettes and and uh, now I'm, I'm better about getting things on cd that i used to have on cassette but back in the day be like I, I wouldn't buy doubles i'd be like no i got on cassette i'm keeping it on a cassette <laughs> so, yeah no yeah. I, I feel it i've bought so many reissues on cd it's been uh, ridiculous yeah dude and, and that's the thing is they always sound different to me that's and again it's just all mental there's a mental part to being a fan that I think people. Yes, uh, that people. I agree. Uh, it's hard to me explain. Like, no, but this is like, I was in this moment. I went at midnight to buy that CD, you know, and it's like that's why that CD's better than this one. So, and that's dude, that's the thing. And obviously, fan first. And when we talk about your career, there are a lot of records that are just they they mean the world to us, obviously, and a lot of stuff like that. But um, the the revisiting stuff, the classic stuff, like when you have a, a back catalog that's like thirty years old. Do you ever feel like revisiting uh, an album and like re-recording something in modern times? Oh, oh, oh! Like, like a redo of an album? Yeah, nah. yeah, nah. nah. There's, there's, there's no point in that. You know, I mean, that's. I don't know why bands do that shit. It's never as good. You know, <laughs> like. I, I feel the same. You know, way. I mean, maybe I could be wrong. Maybe there's something I've heard. You know, where I will totally eat my words. But, you know, I've heard some redos of 
you know, like some Man of War records, for example. I'm like, oh man, this fucking sucks. You know, some of the original is so much better. Just for example, or yeah. whatever. You know, again, I haven't heard, you know, all versions bands have done. I could be totally wrong and hear something and like, well, I was wrong. This is much better, but. I don't know. There are moments in time that you can't replicate, you know, I mean, there's, if you, if you want that fix, you know, whether it's for nostalgia's sake or just to, just for the simplicity of listening to something again, just listen to it again. You know, it's, it's like movies. Like why, why are you going to remake this movie? Just show it on the big screen again as it is. And everyone will love it. You know, you don't need to remake it. It's no way. It's not, there's no way it's going to be as good. Same thing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you completely, and I and I agree with you. And that's some, that's my biggest gripe with cinema is that I just feel like they just keep redoing things for a new generation, and it's like, well, it, I mean, I guess it's a draw, but man, I can't think. I can think of maybe three remakes in the history of like 40 years on this planet that I'm like, all right, well, that's pretty much even. Like with the horror yeah, film, I mean, like, there's exceptions. I, yeah. I really love the Dawn of the Dead remake. Yep. Yep, that's that one of them. That's I have to watch that every year. And yes, I like running zombies. Anyone that is a purist can fuck off. That's <laughs> a great movie. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but largely, it just is never quite the same. You know, it's just uh, and, and just I, write make make something new instead. You know, get a fresh idea. Exactly. And I, and what I and the Dawn of the I'm completely with you on the Dawn of the Dead remake. But if they didn't call it Dawn of the Dead, um, I I mean they still use the mall like they did. I just feel like it would have the same impact. You know. I just feel like it, it. They they did something original, you know, and uh, they tied that into it. But I mean, I don't know. I just watched all the George A. Romero films last Halloween, like to revisit him because I I keep hearing these horror movie directors that are oh Carpenter, and I'm like, why is Romero never like like on this list? I keep hearing Dario Argento and these guys, but like Romero's got so few bad films, dude. So few, you know. Uh, oh yeah. And uh, I revisited like all of them. And I seen some of his bad ones. Which is cool, but uh, Bruiser, I think that was the one that I was like, eh, I don't know about this. But everything else, dude, man. Yeah. Dawn of the Dead's going to come back in theaters in 3D. Did you hear about this? The original, Which one? The, the original Dawn of the Dead, the, the Romero one. They're going to do a 3D version Oh, Halloween. no, that, that sounds fantastic. I'm yeah. in. I'm in, too. That's, <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like You just said it. Why remake it? Put it back in there. Give me a little 3D. We're good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I went and saw it. Uh, Rescreenings of Exorcist when they did that, yeah. and Yellow Submarine when they did that, and that's how I want to see stuff. You, you know, that's just bring it back to the theater for a minute and we'll go. Dude, I'm with you completely, man. And music, you're right, is is a is a similar thing where it's just like just give us what you got. But yeah, re-recording, I'm not, I'm not a fan. Is I mean, like, but a tribute type thing, I guess. Because if we if we let's just talk about Scream Bloody Gore for a second. Um, if you were uh, to do like a tribute thing, like I think a lot of the other guys in death are doing tribute things right now. Um, would that be something that you'd be interested in to do some sort of tribute of that anniversary of that record? I thirty years is not we're past that, right? Oh yeah, we're, we're yeah we're way past that. that. No, I so mean we're almost at forty years. Jesus. Um, uh, well, I mean it came out in eighty seven, yeah. so it's that 30, 35 years. No, I mean I don't know. I mean I don't. I don't know. I'm too busy yeah. doing new things to. I'm with you. Yeah. To to want to uh i don't know i don't look back that much you know maybe when i'm physically incapable of doing this stuff i'll pull out all the records i've done and and go down memory lane or something like that but i don't i don't know i just i don't <laughs> i'm just always looking forward yeah you know? dude I'm, absolutely i'm alive now you know i'm not i'm not 
I'm not retired or, or dead or anything like that. And I, you know, my plate's full, you know, with autopsy and, and whatever else, you know, is, is going on. So I just honestly don't have time for anything like that. I know there's like death to all and, and all, and all that stuff going on and, and that's cool. But, but, uh, I'd rather focus on the future and, and, uh, just keep my wheels turning in that way. And, and, uh, just be, um, you know, definitely proud of all the things I've done, including Screen Bloody Gore. You know, I mean, I can't believe that happened. Yeah. <laughs> still, I, I still can't believe that happened. But, you know, um, yeah, super proud of it, super stoked, but also super stoked to be new, new stuff. You know, yeah. I can't, I don't know, I get restless. So I, I don't like to sit around and, and pine over the past. Absolutely, man. And last question, dude, Chris, because I know I got to let you go, but I got to tell everybody, man, guys, if you're not, you're listening to this show, if you're not pre-ordered already, Morbidity Triumphant, it's coming out September 30th. I'm telling you guys, I've been lucky enough to be jamming it all week. It's exactly what I needed. It's a great fit to the, the eighth record to autopsy. You guys just keep putting them out, man. And I, t- I got to tell you, the time you take or whatever it is, the journey's always so worth it as a fan. Your guys' voice, your identity, everything, man. It's excellent. So last oh, question, thanks, man. being all the way through the years, what's the biggest difference between modern-day death metal fans and death metal fans from back in the day, from you, stage-wise? Uh, fans? Uh, uh, there's not a difference. It's, there's yeah. just more of them now, which is, is great. You know, I mean, there's, there's you know, uh, I mean, we used to play in, when we, the this chapter one of the band, you know, like when the, the before we got signed or whatever, we play shows for like 10 people, you know, when, when no one knew what death metal was in, in the Bay area, a lot of people, if they knew what it was, they thought it was stupid and for losers, you know, it was like, like a joke, you know, um, it was not taken seriously at all. You'd get make, you'd get made fun of for being into death metal in the Bay area in the early eighties or mid eighties, you know, it was strictly for losers. So we would play shows for like 10 people, you know, our buddies, you know, or whatever, and now we can play for 10,000 people. That's the biggest difference. Um, but the people are the same. Everyone gets the same kick out of it that they always did. The music is not, I was going to say, is not changed that much. I should rephrase and say it can't change that much. Otherwise, you have to call it something else. You can only do so much with death metal before it turns into to not death metal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, not, not that all the riffs have to sound the same or the tempos or whatever, but... but um, uh, you can only you can only fuck with the formula so much before it turns into something else. So having said that, everyone still gets the same thrill out of listening to it. Um, it, it still does the same thing to your brain, you know, in, in the year 2022, you know, compared to 1985 or six or seven or, or whatever. Um, it's all the same. The, the, it's just basically the, the thing that I think is cool is the torch is getting passed on to the next generation and you know at the risk of sounding old you know but it, it's true we got that reminder when we played our, our big comeback show at um maryland death fest in 2010 and unbeknownst to us all of a sudden you know we, we roll in and there's like not only the you know people our age that were there from the inception and and whatnot and maybe had seen us before or whatever but there was you know like 17 year olds and stuff like that that we're showing up wearing our t-shirts and like we were playing our set and they're screaming out the lyrics. And that was kind of a mind fuck, you know, like where did these guys come from? This is amazing. You know, I mean, I thought that was the coolest thing. So it's just being 
handed down, which the, the lesson learned is, is death metal as a, a, a genre has with, with, withheld the, the test, withstood the test of time. Um, it's not, you know, there's been a lot of subgenres that have come and gone, you know, like I can think of several off the top of my yeah. head that were all the rage for a minute. And now they're not, exactly. <laughs> you know, yep. and, and, and death metal has never, you know, like some people be say like, Oh, death metal went away in the nineties or no, it didn't. You just weren't fucking digging anymore. You weren't, you know, looking under the, the surface. That's your laziness that tells you that. You know, it's it never went away. That's fucking stupid. So um, it's it's past the test of time, which is amazing. You know, and that's uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the takeaway as far as fans go. You know, we get the same reactions now as, as in the old days, but probably better now because the other the other side of the coin is people appreciate it now. You know, like even more than before because before it was kind of like a novelty. And now it's become more of a way of life. You know what I mean? Yep. So people don't take it for granted so much. Like, oh, this is this thing that might go away in a couple months that people know damn well it's not going to. And they're they're fucking grabbing the moment, you know, whether it's buying a record or going to the show. And uh, for me as a music fan, that's very exciting because I do the same thing. You know, I still I still go to shows just to fucking get my rocks off. And I, I get the same feeling now as, as uh, before, but maybe even a little more, you know, after you have a couple of years and not being able to do anything, it kind of makes you get this perspective. Like I should be really enjoying this right now while I can. This is great. Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. I, I did take it for granted. And now it's like, dude, you don't miss merciful fate. You know, <laughs> like it's just, that's the attitude I have now. Just you going to fucking get there wherever, wherever they're playing or whoever. And, uh, yeah. and that is the beauty. And you said, you know what else? Just to end it on this, man, what's going to stand the test of time, dude? Morbidity, triumphant, guys. The eighth chapter from everything you've done with Autopsy, Chris. I got to tell you, man, such a huge fan. This is a bucket list one for me. So thank you so much, my friend, for calling in here to the Metal Sucks podcast. Hey, no problem at all. It's good to talk to you. You know, thanks for uh, carving out time out of your day.
Metal Sucks Podcast. guys and we are back oh if those two songs didn't make you go right over and pre-order this album then you're in a bad state of mind morbidity triumphant is out right now autopsy has done it again man fantastic record the first song you heard guys is skin by skin second track knife slice axe chop go check out that music video it's old school i love it great music video um but again guys don't don't eat before you see it well maybe in modern times you can eat and see this you can't say stuff like that. Nothing grosses people out anymore. People eat, eat in the bathrooms. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> I, no, it's, it's true. I do. I virtually... Look, I'm in Vegas. Everybody knows we're in Vegas. Um, when I was at Psycho Vegas Festival, I went to the bathroom, and this dude was eating a sandwich on top of the oh, urinal, oh taking a oh bite, putting it back, and just peeing, and oh. like we're all peeing around him. I'm like, dude, you're just you're eating a fucking sandwich. Gutter punks. You know, I like punks die off. No, 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 no. He's he, they're still alive. But I just remember thinking, I, I like, <laughs> I was like, and uh, 
I, I just don't know. And then he came over, ate the sandwich. He, 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 you know, you, you think the dude's going to wash his hands? That's nope. why nope. will never die, though. Nope. They have, have ironclad immune systems. Their immunity is... Yeah, they got they're good. They're like, what you eating there? Sandwich, tuna at the urinal. Not not Herbal washing tuna. my hands. There's, what's what I, I but what's what's the point of washing your hands, right? At that point, all right, fuck it, dude. You're you're lost. The germs the germs live. Just go. So, anyways, um, how did we get there? Oh, the music I don't video. Know, man. Knife slice axe chop. The music video's out, guys. The track was amazing. Do not do not sleep on this record. Morbidity triumphant by aut- autopsy. It is out right now and with that i want to thank everybody out there for the five star reviews oh, real quick go bring it can i make like a butt and plug something yes yes absolutely um sorry to intro you like this chris but episode two of psychic warfare is out mm. and uh it's adam from three days grace and we talk about anxiety and forgiveness those topics are very dear to my heart and i think they're super important so go give it a listen nice yes guys support psychic warfare the podcast episode two I love starting at the beginning of a podcast. I always feel like I got to catch up when I find out about them 100 episodes later. Be like, All right, let me go to the front. <laughs> I did that with <laughs> Local H's Lifers podcast. I'm like, oh, fucking A, Scott Lucas has got a podcast? And he's like, okay. episode 78. I'm like, All right. We'll 700 start. hours later. <laughs> starting at the beginning. I'm currently on episode 18. And they're on like, they just keep going up. And I'm like, I'm going to make it one day. <laughs> I'm going to make it. You know, and you guys should do that with our other podcast, Rise to Offend. You start at the beginning because we got 104 episode. We do it so infrequently, um, but we have 104 episodes. Me and Chris, we talked about G.G. Allen. We did an episode on G.G. Allen. Go check out the G.G. Allen episode. Wendy O. Williams. I don't think G.G. Allen. I think G.G. Allen ate sandwiches at the urinal. Without a, without a question. Um, so with that, support other podcasts, Rise to Offend. And like I was saying earlier, please, guys, if you love the show, five-star review on Apple iTunes. That's all we ask for as a podcast team. Just click five stars. We don't even need words. But the number grows. It makes us keep doing this. And with that, Josh, you got anything else before I say goodbye to everyone? No, go follow me on the internet. Give me more follows and likes so I can be, uh, work some nice comedy clubs and get more money. Thank you. At the Wizard of Jaws, J-O-Z. Until next week, guys. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.